Hello and welcome to the How Long to Beat podcast. This is episode 21. Our podcast can officially drink and drive in America. Uh, I know driving's driving's like 17 for you guys. Anyway, 16. The, I think. the, the, the drink is the point of the joke. Let's move <laughs> swiftly on. This week, um, as always, it's Alex, Paula, and me, Rick, but talking about slightly different things than what we usually do. So uh, we um, alluded to it a little bit last week. We've been playing uh, a load of homebrews, a load of itch games. Um, and what we're going to do is uh, what we're dubbing the itch extravaganza. Hmm. Um, we're going to we're going to talk quickly about what we've been playing besides the itch stuff at the start, and we're going to have a get a game of say it with me. How, how long, long to, to be, be the, the game. game at the very end, and that's going to bookend a big old discussion uh, about a load of great and not so great little homebrews. Um, so let's kick straight off, Alex. Why don't you tell us what non-itch stuff you've been playing? Yeah, so. Uh, still kind of playing a bit of Super Mario 3D World. Like again, just playing co-op with my partner. Um, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I do think that game is just best played with two people and no more. Unless you like to invite chaos into your life, then go to town. Um, <laughs> uh, still doing a little bit of Ring Fit Adventure. A little bit less now because my gym reopened. Um, so you know I'm masking up, working out, which. It's not ideal, but it's definitely great. <laughs> I'm like just being able to move my body again. Ooh. And then I've also been playing Bioshock Remastered. I'm not like much further in than what I was last week, um, but still just loving that game. Although, goddamn, that game crashed on me. I was like, what? The, what? Right? It's a remaster and it crashed. I was like, but, come on. Uh, and I've noticed there's some texture pop-in issues. Um, it's just... I've been a little unimpressed at some points with like some of the technical stuff on this where I'm just kind of like, you would assume a remastered fixes most of this shit, right? Like you would yeah. assume that. Um, it's kind no. of shocking that it doesn't. Yeah. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like. Uh, oh my I, God, I just got this one. Yeah, yeah okay, Paul. It's, it's, just, it's just loading in. <laughs> like the textures. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it pops in very slowly. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just like I, I played this whole segment um, and suddenly the game just like completely crashed on me. The autosave, like I had to redo like a whole level. And I got to say, there's nothing more demoralizing than when that happens because you're just like, God damn it. It just really interrupts that like nice form of momentum. But I mean, when it doesn't crash, this game is excellent. And it's really fun to revisit it after years. Like I, I don't actually remember much of the game, honestly. Like as I've been playing through it, I'm like, oh, don't remember this, don't remember this, don't remember this. So I feel like I'm touching it at the perfect time. Um, still playing Kid Dracula. I think I'm like real close to the end of that. That game is balls hard. Like I mean, <laughs> honestly, um, I know I don't know. It looks all cutesy and stuff, but like if you got that as a kid, I, oh, you probably cursed a lot. Like it's just. <laughs> it's a hard game like i'm playing with save states and the necessarily i do not have the patience to get real good at it um with save states i think it's a lot of fun and it has some really neat ideas in it it's a little slow at times and i think that's you know something you notice with a lot of game boy games it's just that occasionally movement in the game boy games can feel a bit sluggish um especially from konami they seem to just <sighs> I yeah. was going to say a couple of the Castlevania games are notorious on <laughs> the Game Boy. A couple of the Castlevania games are unplayable without ROM hacks because they're so slow. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's worth checking out. It's very fascinating. It's also, it's it's pretty funny because like, you know, it's basically 
youthful Dracula, like the dude who will later go on to say, what is a man? Um, and you're just <laughs> playing as like this child version of him. Um, I also started playing, and this is the one that I will talk about a little bit longer. I, I started playing Loop Hero. Um, I just noticed people like sort of talking about this and I was like, what's this? Um, and it was like real cheap on Steam, you know, it was like 15 bucks or something like that. And I was like, well, I mean, whatever. Um, and I, it's a roguelike, which we talked about this a little bit on Discord, but I don't know why I do this to myself because I, I know, I already know as I'm playing it that I am going to get bored as hell from this game. Because, um, you know, it's just, it's all about that loop and it's literally called Loop Hero. But I think it's 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 unique enough that I really wanted to give it a shot because essentially how it works is you are kind of like the dungeon master. That's that's really what it is. You're creating your adventurer's dungeon for them. So they're they're walking along this looped path and the conceit is that it seems to be like there's this um this this villain who's kind of like erase the world and and your memories are completely gone and it's like you're remembering things into existence. And it's really neat because you'll go and, for instance, place like, I don't know, a spider cocoon. And then that's going to spawn spiders on that tile. And then when you land on the air, you know, your little guy is going to fight them in an automated battle. And then you'll get equipment and you equip the equipment. Um, But it's also a question of like, what kind of equipment do you want to put on them, right? Like, are you trying to max out your regen? Uh, Are you trying to max out your evasion? Like, sometimes... you can fall into the trap of thinking, oh, the higher level equipment, that's the best stuff. But it's like, not quite, right? Like there's a lot that you have to take into consideration. And it kind of, it's very fun because you feel like you're really strategizing the entire time. And you can pause at, at moments to like plan things out. Um, but it's also neat because you really can't just do the same thing every time. Because the tiles that you play, also it's like a deck builder. So I know a whole bunch of stuff. Because you have you have a you have a you have cards, and the cards are what you place to build the dungeon. And what's really neat is that those cards interact with different tiles in different ways. So and they don't tell you how they interact, but sometimes you'll go and you'll play something. Like I discovered this the other day, which like I don't know not really a slice fuller, but if you put a lot of mountain and rock cards together, sometimes you'll create a giant mountain. And then I met a new enemy type because of that. And so it was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I didn't know I could do this, right? Um, so when you're, when you're putting cards down, that's essentially with the goal of improving your hero. No, said, like, it's making it harder for your hero. Um, but also, I'm, will, I'm, yeah. I'm slightly lost. Like, who who are you rooting for in this situation well you're rooting for your hero but the reality is that for a boss to appear at the end of this because you're on like this loop and there's a day night cycle and basically there's this tabulator that's showing you when the boss is going to appear the boss only appears if you place enough tiles if you fill out the map enough so you have to place them but some cards are harder than others, right? There's ones that are like Vampire Mansion. If you place like a fuck ton of Vampire Mansions, your hero is going to have to fight dozens of vampires, right? Every single time. And there's a day-night cycle and every day um, new monsters spawn. So you're in this kind of struggle where you're collecting resources, which are also tile cards, um, and you also know that your adventurer does need to fight monsters in order to get better equipment, right? He can't just not fight them. 
right so it's like mm-hmm. a balancing act of hard enough to progress things but not too hard as to okay right. I'm, I'm with you now I'm yeah you see and after each loop you're you the enemies get stronger they level up so if you wait too long you might have a guy who's got like no equipment and the couple monsters he has to fight are like level four and you're getting fucked right like it's i don't know man it's oh it's addicting and it's very good nice it kind of reminds me of uh, it's actually like a tabletop card game called Bose Monster, mm. where with a group of players, each um, draws like a well, a Bose Monster card, and that's pretty okay. much your character for the game. But instead of trying to get the heroes to get stronger, you want to kill the heroes in your dungeon and not nice. take damage. Uh, yeah yep and and you can also sabotage other the the other players dungeons as well Mm. yeah yeah that does sound kind of a little similar it's really neat because it it just it sounds at first like i thought like oh there's probably a lot of waiting around but there really isn't like you have to be constantly paying attention to what's going on um because it really moves quickly and it's very exciting. So anyway, I'm, I'm going to keep playing it. I guarantee you, I will not beat this game. Um, <laughs> but I'll definitely be playing it for a while and hopefully we'll get fairly far through it. I want to at least beat the first chapter, you know? I want to at least get and, to there. Hmm. And for, in fact, before we bounce on, the uh, the Steam Game Festival that we, that we covered-ish a few weeks ago um, is where that game got most of its hype from. It was one of the standout demos and that's, how that how that train got rolling nice well congrats to them it's 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 a lovely little game <laughs> why don't we move off for me why don't we go to you now paula paula we'll go up the list i haven't oh. been playing like a lot of variety in terms of games besides the each uh the eight games um but i made a lot of progress on daigakuten saiban or the great ace attorney uh which by the way is like they're trying to make these seemingly impossible to solve cases because they can. And I feel like the Ace Attorney team was trying out a, a lot of different stuff with this one because even if it is Ace Attorney, there's like stuff that make it feel like a little bit different in the case of there are cases where you have to do like these great deductions with the help of certain great detective for example and it kind of feels like mel edgeward investigation in the in the in the sense that you also battle outside of the courtroom but it still feels super different i feel like i like how they're doing it like in this game but i don't know if they could like pull it off in the mainline ace attorney game also the trials oh my god oh they have a jury system uh, in the trial. So, besides the judge, there's uh, the grand total of six people like watching the trial, and pretty much you have to convince them that your client is not guilty. And if you take too long, like pressing the 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 statement, the statement like over and over again, like trying to look for another clue, they start getting impatient. <laughs> Oh god. Interesting. Okay, okay. So I don't know if like in the next trial it's gonna be like all scripted, if 
they get bored or not, or if they actually start getting bored, the more you press uh, the witnesses. But there's this huge, like, balance just behind the judge. And you can see how it is tilting over, like, a guilty or not guilty verdict. And it is nerve-cracking. Like, big time. Because you know you're fucking up somewhere. Or you know that people are not believing you. And yeah, that's the, that's the game so far. Also, uh, just as we managed recording last episode, where we made, like, uh, what is a man reference, turns out that the prosecutor in this game, like, pretty much pulled, like, a what is a man Throws goblet against the 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 candle or lamp gesture, and it was like, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. I th- I feel like I'd hate that though. I always enjoyed like exploring all the different dialogues that were there, and like I think that would stress me out knowing that you can't do that because the jury will like not like that. I I think you still have plenty of leeway, and you can explore the dialogue, and you are able like to save like pretty much anywhere and continue the game. So. Oh, you could save Scummit. Okay. But I don't think the game will punish you because even if the balance is all the way down, there's like one final trick you can pull, like to get half the jury's like on your side again. And okay. convince them like, please no, my client is not guilty. Give me a little bit more time. <laughs> uh, also, the other game I've been playing is Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Uh, the second game of the Zelda series. I'm playing it on the uh, Nintendo Switch Online app because I really need that rewind. It took me a while to get used to how Link manages in this one because there are times that I feel he has like ice on his on his feet. What? And I fell to my death many times. Oh, ice on his feet. I thought you were saying eyes on his feet. Oh no, I'm oh, so <laughs> He sleeps and falls to his head, and it is horrible. Uh, I'm getting better, I'm getting good at the game. I don't find it as difficult as the first time I tried to play it, but it's still like fairly challenging. And currently, I'm um, like right after the first palace, and I'm pretty like, pretty like excited for what the game has to offer like in the later dungeons it's a little bit less of a guide game than the first one but still having like a little guide just to make sure you don't miss anything helps a lot nice what are you what have you been playing rick wow uh to be fair much the same as i was playing last week so i'm still playing rocket league i still have a love-hate relationship with that game it's uh when it's good, it's great. When it's bad, I am very stereotypically sort of angry, shouting at the screen sort of thing. Not that that's ever going to stop me playing the game, but, you know, I'm still playing Freedom Wars. I like the vibe. I like the story. I like that it's on Vita. I'm not sure I'm sold on the gameplay. And that obviously is ultimately the kicker. Um, and it's not the game's fault. The game's very well put together. I'm just not really into that that sort of monster hunting style of game so it was always sort of fighting with one hand tied behind its back in a sense uh but i'm going to stick with it for now i'm still relatively early into the game 
uh, and I'm going to see how it how it goes for a bit before I sort of make a decision either way. I'm still playing Ghost of Tsushima Legends. That's still fantastic. Uh, it might be a while before I finish it just because the uh, the back end of the story is hidden behind these raids where you need a party of four uh, and you need to have like a certain level of gear to be able to go into it. So uh, there's a fair bit left to play before I'm ready to tackle those. Um, but like I said last week, it's more Tsushima, which is always a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then the last one and the main one, it's interesting in the context of some of the stuff we were talking about in terms of Loop Hero um, and other roguelikes is Hades, which has properly sunk its claws in now. I'm very on board. And I think it was interesting in terms of you talking about there always being a point where um, the cost benefit falls away for you in terms of the roguelike and you just burn out on it. Um, and this isn't an original thought. I'm certain I heard it on some kind of um, YouTube video of some description, like a, a video essay or something. But what Hades seems to nail is the time between the runs in the sense that you have this persistent hub world. You have these relationships that you're building with the different um, Greek gods and mythical characters and whatever else. Um, going alongside the usual sort of persistent upgrades and, and things that you nudge that way, um, particularly with the nectar that you pick up, that you gift to characters to progress those things. Um, I, I have a couple of times now found myself picking up nectar and almost being a little bit excited for when I die to have the opportunity to give it to a certain character. And I think that's why it's sunk its claws in with so many people. I think that's a big part of it. Um, apart from the fact that it, it's a super giant game, so the art, and the the gameplay and the music especially is just pitch perfect. Um, is that 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 in between is exciting in a way that most other roguelikes don't even try to make it. Yeah, I mean, also let's just be real. People like roguelikes, right? I mean, like, you know, I'm just like I, I tend to just be someone who I, I feel like the the mechanics are too visible to me. You know, like it, it it's one of those things. Like often when I play a game. Um, I kind of enjoy it when the mechanics are, I guess, I don't know. What's the best way of describing this? It's like, it feels like it's very clear that the game could have progressed faster, but is progressively locking me out of things. Um, you know what I'm saying? I do. I yeah. do. I think it's a case by case thing there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's most or even a majority of roguelikes that do yeah. it that way. But I, I definitely agree that when it when it's sort of um I suppose it comes down to whether whether it's respecting your time as the player, because mm-hmm. there are definitely games where they make themselves roguelikes for the sake of it and they just don't need to be. Yeah. Um I think with Hades, partially because of the way it was developed as an early access mm-hmm. thing that they layered on top of. Uh and also partially as um a mechanism to to let those relationships unravel over time. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you had a linear format, it, it wouldn't particularly work. And the story is built around the conceit of um, Groundhog Daying it over and over again until you can until you can make your escape. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you on that. And I mean, that's that's kind of what like I mean, that is what Loop Hero does as well, right? Like it it has that same thing where I'm like, I actually get why I'm doing this, and I understand why this is a loop, and there's actually some intrigue here, and I'm kind of curious to learn more, right? So like it does that well, but there's always this moment in every roguelike I play, no matter how good it is, where it's like I'm staring into the abyss, and the game's like, you could have accessed this story 
in two hours instead of 50. <laughs> and I'm like, ah! Like, you know, and like you see it for that moment and then you forget because the game's great. <laughs> it's just like, but it's yeah. just, there, you know what I mean? Like, and it's fine. I do. It's, yeah. I, for fear of us getting very off topic, like I think it's just a question of how lazy or not the developers being in terms of stretching content out. Yeah. I think it's the same as um, procedural generation. I think it's that same bracket where mm-hmm. um, there's games that do it and you're just like, I would have much rather you put something in place mm-hmm. and let me do it. And to bring it back around to Hades, they do that because it's, although it's sort of random shuffles, the levels are specifically designed. It's not like, we've made five or six tile sets and then an algorithm is going to throw them together from room to room. It's specific rooms that they've designed. You'll just see them in different orders each time. Yeah. But yeah, I really like Hades. And um, <laughs> I, now that I've actually sort of given it the time to um, breathe and grow on me and everything else, I think I'll, I'll probably clear it out quite quickly. I can't see it being on my plane for, a, for more than a week or two. Cause it's the main thing that I'm giving attention to. Um, so yeah, that that's me, um, and we should probably because we've got loads to get through. Um, yeah. get, get straight onto the extravaganza. Um, now, what we're going to do um, for everyone who's listening, if you want to check out any or indeed all of the games that we've been playing, um, we've set up an itch.io page. Um, the link's going to be in the description, or if you just want to type it, it's um, hltbpodcast.itch.io. Um, and not only is every single game that we've played um, in a single collection, uh, there's also smaller collections of um, what each of us would recommend, or if you will, recommend. Yeah, it's making a comeback, baby. I was going to say, to all our lovely listeners, if there's someone to blame, it's Rick. Yes, I am very much to blame for it. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you're about to hear and experience is my fault, and I, I own that. Um, we should, we, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. So like to give like a little introduction on like what the heck this whole thing is. Basically, like I, I started exploring Game Boy homebrews because I've been developing a game on Game Boy Studio with a friend. And um, I just sort of like mentioned this a little bit to Rick and like showed a couple things. And then, and then Rick kind of went down the rabbit hole hard, I think, <laughs> and pulled us down with him. <laughs> and uh, we've yeah. just kind of been going on. With all these homebrew games, and 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 for those who knows homebrew, homebrew is kind of like a sort of an irrelevant term now, if I'm being real, um, because it it used to really represent games being made for older systems um, and handhelds, right? And that's still a thing now. But the reality is that when you make a homebrew, it's kind of accessible in so many different ways now because you can play them through the through browsers, right? So yeah. it's like. Yeah, it's still homebrew, I guess, but really, it's browser games now too. It's more like the indie re- renaissance is the word I'm looking for, in the sense that like you have your bigger indies, things like Hades, where it's super giant. There's like twelve, fifteen people. Yes, it's a small studio, but to all intents and purposes, it's a proper studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is sort of the uh, the second coming of the the random individual in their bedroom throwing something together. Um, and, and I'll tell you specifically what started it is uh, Dedius when you played it a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. I thought that sounds really good. I'll download it. I'm putting the the Mario Land game on my flash cart anyway. I'll whack it on. And wouldn't you know it, when you download a game on itch, they very cleverly recommend like eight similar games. Suddenly I've got 15 tabs open. I'm like, holy shit, what's happening now? <laughs> and um, 
yeah and then we then we were like why don't we make this a thing um mm. and in the spirit of that we should probably start with a game that is both playable on the game boy or flash card of choice and also one that all three of us have played um which is a little horror game called opossum country really short like 15 minute experience i didn't realize until afterwards a that it's a one-man project and b that it was a game jam project because it's really professionally put together absolutely recommend anyone with 15 minutes to spare give it a go whether you throw it on your hardware or just play it through the browser um it's very i hesitate to say unique but it has a very singular vision and sense of style about it it really feels polished and well done in that respect yeah it's very Um, like american gothic in some ways right like it it has such a um it has such atmosphere to it and i have to say i played it on my game boy color um because i was like yeah come on if you're gonna make a homebrew game boy game hell yeah i'm playing it on the original hardware and oh it's so it's so amazing to do that because Mm -hmm. it really does feel like and, and i think this is what's so kind of beautiful about a lot of these homebrew games and especially the homebrew games that you can tell aren't trying to emulate a game they played when they're younger, right? Games that are intended. Yeah. No, there you go. Right. They're, (laughs) they're trying to kind of create something that is reminiscent, but new. And so it really feels like you're like, this is so cool. Right. Cause it's such a, it's a concept that I'm like, no way this would have came out on the, (laughs) the game boy back in the day. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't have much more to say on this one, but I like this one a lot. Yeah. What did you think of this one, Paula? I am impressed by the game, like, in many ways, because it is a really dark game, right? But to get to the horror part, the way it does it, I think it, it, it is very well done. And I'm also surprised by how, like, good and expressive the art is, given the limitations mm. of what they used to create it. Also, a game that, like... Game jams are usually like 48 hours. How did you make these in 48 hours? Like, my guess is that like any kind of polish was like done after, probably, or like the Game Boy mm-hmm. kind of port thingy was done after, but still, 48 hours is not a lot of time. Yeah, well, no, especially I, if you like will... a topic because you get that topic. Mm, sorry, I will say itch does run a number of week long game jams. Um, they've been doing they've they've done some of those so it, it's possible it was made in one of those um they've sort of expanded still. the lengths of them but still i know still right a week i'm like oh my god <laughs> takes me a week I'm to make like a couple a, sprites <laughs> i've actually been to a game yeah before and nice. you don't sleep much in those like we were taking turns sleeping under the table with my team we were like five to six people there and at the end of all, we have, everyone has these, like, beautiful games, and we have, like, this glitchy mess, because one of the games we, we made had a final boss, but you couldn't get to it, because it was a glitch at the final part of the game. Oh, no. It is a lot of fun. It is super draining. I can't even imagine a week, like, uh, a week long game jam. Yeah. Um, like, sleeping practically nothing and doing this it has to be fun but still intense yeah well what's yeah. too is like this game was made in game boy studio so for those who don't know like game boy studio is essentially and there's there's i think there's one for the nest too but it's kind of like a visual based um coding system to make you know uh making games for the game boy very easy um remarkably easy actually uh, and you can still make creative stuff like this 
And for a game that's only 15 minutes long, I think I had four different theories before the actual ending happened. Nice. So that, that, was, that was kind of impressive. Um, yeah. Nice little segue, just to, to skip ahead a little bit. So um, the creative, Ben Jelta, um, I also played one more of his games, which is um, a browser-based one called The Last Employee. Mm. Um, I think it's another Game Boy Studio one, but there's no Game Boy ROM version of it made available. Um, and it's like a, a narrative sort of walking simulator type thing uh, about a dystopian future where AI have replaced almost all human jobs. And you're one, you're one of, um, at the start of the game, and then by the end of the game, the uh, last employee, last human employee of any business anywhere. Uh, you're like a CEO of their equivalent of Walmart. Um, and it, it makes you like make these narrative choices and you've got a board breathing down your neck. Uh, it's quite clever. I, I didn't like it as much as some of the other narrative stuff I played um, because almost a little bit like what you were saying with the roguelikes, I could sort of see um, the puppet master strings a little bit and that, that um, ruined the experience a little bit for me. Mm. Uh, but it was still a really nice experience. It was um, very engaging in terms of the story it told and I think it succeeded at what it set out to do. So yeah, another another green tick next to Ben Jelta's name as far as I'm concerned, I suppose. Yeah. Uh nice, nice. Um, what about so I, I think in terms of um actual like creators on here, like I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but Cecile Richard, she has created some incredible little poems, uh interactive poems, right? And I know we all played Novena. Um, which is this beautiful, so yeah, it's like on itch, you know, usually it says like run game, right. On your browser. And this one, it says like run poem. And, um, it's such a unique and kind of moving experience. And I I played a couple of her games. I know you did as well, Rick. And I do think this Mm -hmm. is the strongest of the ones that I've tried at least. Um, but it's this kind of beautiful little game where you're going to visit the ocean. Um, and I don't want to say really too much more about what it is simply because I think it's so short and good to experience. Um, but it kind of shows you the creativity that you can have in this kind of realm, right? Of creating short interactive fiction, really. Yeah. And this is probably the best example of what you said, which is it's like Flash Games grew up. Yeah, honestly, right? <laughs> like I was like, oh, this is like the <laughs> Flash Games like natural progression into like this it's just it's so great (laughs) (laughs) it's a proper storytelling and shit yeah did you play this one paolo at all uh novena yeah uh the other ones i didn't do the other ones you did well i know i was gonna say i know the next one you did so why don't you um tell us a little bit about how you found six cats under (laughs) oh so the game that uh, rick mentioned i think it was last week (laughs) of that uh, of this grandma character who away and has to let her cats out of the tiny apartment so they can be free and find their own homes and not starve to death. The first thing that caught my attention was the art mm-hmm. because it is everything like pixel art quite simple but it is super charming and the attention today to detail on this is amazing because if you've ever been on a house with many cats, pretty much it looks like that in terms of what it has. Unlike the descriptions of all the items, uh, because it is a point and click. And so everywhere you click, you get like this little description from the grandma character. And it is a really short experience, but solving the, the, the puzzle is 
really satisfying. Mm. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I just felt like it was really cozy and, and surprisingly wholesome given the subject matter. I, I liked like, it. This... No, it's so funny. I'm just, I'm just, a, I just, I'm apparently just shit at point and click games. I was like, how do I, what am I missing? What am I, what am I freaking missing? Like, there was like one segment near there, like, let's just say around the stove, where I was like, what am I missing? Um, oh, I, I accidentally did that early and then I had to like catch up the other steps to get to it. It's, um, once I'd initially realized, because it, it sort of threw me for a loop in that I thought I'd have to individually move every single cat. Yes, I, I thought the same thing, yeah. Actually, all you have to do is get the door open and then they're all very clever, clever kittens and they sort themselves out. Um, and, and it sort of hints in the in the descriptions of the cats which ones you probably want to like focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a while to click into how to get that first domino moving. But I'd already I'd already put three or four afterwards, and then it, it just sort of steamrolled from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's a lovely one and, and very oddly charming. Yeah. Uh, uh, close... I'm just gonna add a little Goldie. Yeah, man. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and then the next one, which is one I think only I played, was Snake Three Three One O. Um. Which is like a horror game. It's it was another one for a jam. I like the idea. I wasn't a fan of the execution. Uh, it's another one where it's sort of quite obvious that you're locked onto a singular train track. So it it puts you in a shitty situation where you don't really want to do what it's asking you to do, mm. but you just have to hit the buttons, and that's not in service of any greater theme or anything like that. So I can't really recommend it, even at how short it was. I don't really have much to say about that. Uh, hmm. By contrast, Alex, the next game self, you said you had a lot of thoughts about. So uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, it's not that I have a... Uh, I, I shouldn't say I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I really, really struggled with the controls in this one. It, it was... Oh, really? Yeah, extremely. To the point, like, at first I was just doing it on my like PC and I was just trying to go in and I was like, no, this is unplayable. So then I tried it, I plugged in a controller and it's just... It's extremely unintuitive. And as as much as I, I think it is excellent and it's like extremely close to being like just amazing. Um, but it has this thing where it's like, you know, you you pull this like this like spirit thing out of your body. So so it's kind of like Celeste, right? It's this sort of 2D game um, and it's, it's screen based and you're trying to collect these uh, items that will unlock your path to the next screen, which is, which is great. But when you launch this sort of spirit out of your body, you will then kind of like fly up to it. And when you launch it out, you can tilt it either way. And it often felt like I had zero control over the tilt and it was just like, I'd push it and it was like, okay, we're going to tilt all the way this way. And then I would do it again with the same force. And it's like, oh, but this time we'll only go a little way. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I was like... What? Like, why not just make this so that I can move the self independent of like this, like tilting? You know what I mean? Like, it's like I would have been, it it felt like it would have been more intuitive to me if it was simply mapped to my analog stick. But then I know it's also on the PZ. So they're like, I can't quite do that. So what I'm hoping is that this company or this group decides to make this into a full fledged game, put it onto a, and like have a console port that maps it that way. And then I will be a very happy boy who'll play the shit out of this game. I kind of like that though. There's definitely a learning curve because I, I know what you mean. At first, you feel like you should be able to point down; it just goes down. But it's not like you have to work within the constraints of uh, the starting direction 
and then how far you can adjust it either way with the time you've got before you have to dash back to it. Um, I'm, I think something's lost if you then give it analog input. Um, Listen, I never mastered it by the end of the game. <laughs> and if that's the case, you fucked up. <laughs> like, I mean, there's only like seven minutes of game though, in, in its defense. There's more there's than that. I've played for quite a while. There's an endless mode oh. too. Come on. Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of the base game, in, in terms of base game, I need to go back to it. There is a lot of extra content. And to be fair, they are talking about maybe making it a full thing. So yeah. fingers crossed. I don't want to shit on it too um, much either. Cause like, you know, like all of these games, I, I feel sort of bad, like even shitting on them. Cause I'm just like, it's like small little groups doing their work. And so it's more like a, a loving critique. I'm like, this was still interesting, but yeah. By contrast, there's a couple I will be shitting on later on. I'm sorry. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of balance. Um, although the next few I'm going to be very positive about. Um, I played a little um, narrative game called Nothing to Say. Um, I don't think the game was especially clever. It, the, the concept is that you um, have to retrieve letters of the alphabet in order to make your way through this conversation with a very patient um girl that you're on a date with the writing saved it because the the game barely qualifies as such you pull in effect did you play this one pal no but the moment you said you saw the visual novel tag uh, <laughs> yeah I, I saw the visual novel tag and i was like oh no i know what he's gonna say <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is like there, there's novel games within this that i've really really enjoyed it's not it's not that there has to be some gameplay, although I obviously prefer that. Mm. It's just that it doesn't really work what's there. Um, and it's short. I'd still say if it sounds interesting, go and give it a look. Just um, expect to like the writing much more than you like what you have to do to get there. Mm. And and that that comes across way more negative than I want to be about the game. because it, <laughs> it, it, it was a nice little experience and, and I had a nice enough time with it. I had an even better time and even better gameplay, um, excuse me, with the next one, which is Al, a choose your own adventure. And you'll see from the itch page, it's got a really nice stylized sort of um, pale blue and pink pixel art. Um, so the, the concept is you've got to get to a date, uh, but you've let your room get into a bit of disrepair and there's a load of demons in it. So you've, you've got to find your way out of this room. It's very sort of Stranger Things, 80s sort of, weird fun horror vibe about it um and the, the the gameplay is purely making choices about doing x or y uh there's four or five different endings it's well written and it's like a lot of fun to experience um i don't want to say too much to sort of give away any of the little surprises it's got it looks gorgeous. but it is a it is amazing it, it it's really visually expressive and even from the from the title slide you can see there's like um little animations and movements within the pixel art it's hmm. I, I suppose a little bit like what i was saying um about possum country it's got a very strong sense of style and it really delivers on that um in its execution i think nice um is that one that either of you touched at all or not no i don't think i've touched many of the ones that you've played here but I will be playing that, I think, because it looks neat. <laughs> yes. I'm what, so what glad I should... that I wasn't able to play as much game as you two because I was playing my um, computer simulator 2021 because my computer refused to work. 
Yeah, she had some technical yeah. difficulties. <laughs> Poor Paolo uh, is updating. <laughs> yeah, I of the of the thirty five roughly that we've got on the list, I think twenty three of them were singularly or I played them among others. So what's probably easier to do is is stop me if you've played the one that I've also played. Um, <laughs> the next one is a game called Timeout. This is someone's like final year project. Hmm. Um, some Singaporean student called Christopher Lee. It's very clever. I think any of the criticisms I have probably are as a result of it being one person putting something together for a university project where they probably have to document everything, justify why they do everything in written form, and they have all these extra hoops to go through. Um, it's like a, a noir thing um, with art that, that that's very openly based on um, a trailer for a game called The Last Night if you remember that from E3 a couple of years ago with the just stunning pixel art in 3D space, cyberpunky type thing. Anyway, so the, the concept is everyone has a timer above their head, how much time they've got left. And there's an economy around obtaining more time. Um, and mm. you are a detective sent to discover the truth behind someone selling fake time. There's a combat mechanic that's really poorly realized. There's very little agency in the way that it plays out. It's a very linear adventure, but it's set in such a way that it gives you maybe a different impression initially of how much you're going to be able to do within that space, which is a little bit frustrating. Um, but it's really nicely put together. Obviously, it's a novel, not a novel concept, but it's a, uh, a, a, a very, it's a concept that's not really been explored in any detail in other mediums, in other games or anything like that. Um, and it's pretty cool as a as a one man sort of university project. Um, so that that was a nice sort of twenty odd minutes that I spent with that one. I had a good time with that. Um, and then the next one um, for anyone who's familiar with Valhalla or the upcoming Nirvana uh, is from their developer Sukaban Games. It was a a game cool. jam one. Um, it's called Sales Pitch. So the concept is um, you are these two girls who've woken up in a boardroom. You know you're pitching but you don't remember what or why. And so you, your gameplay consists of clicking different things in the world and using them as the inspiration to answer the questions that these uh, board members are asking you. Um, and that, that extends to the board members. So there's one who looks a bit Clinton-esque. So um, if you click on him, you'll get various 90s-inspired um, sort of, of that era answers to those questions. Um, there's a guy um, with like... Um, uh, thinning hair so if you click on him you'll get sort of comments about the bald facts or uh, you know various sort of puns based on that it's it's purely writing it, it's like a single room situation and there's not really a win state so it's just a case of mucking around and exploring the dialogue but the dialogue is what that studio excels at and it's really uh it's really well put together it got a couple of chuckles out of me mm-hmm. um and, and that's one that I think I would recommend in spite of its flaws um, for people to have a look at and have a muck around with. Um, the only maybe negative is that it's a really tiny window when you download it to play. I'm not sure if you can play it online. I think you do have to download the, the executable. But it's like we're talking Game Boy Advance screen resolution. Oh, wow. So it's like <laughs> when, when, I, when I played it, it's this tiny little rectangle in the middle of the screen. And I've got all my, uh, all my icons and my background behind it and it's just sort of a little bit distracting that it that it doesn't scale up at all um but i think that's forgivable in context it's uh it's one of those things 
Now, the next one, I think one of you might have said you played. I may be misremembering. I think Paola played this uh, one. Is a game we called... Begin we Begin with Fold? Yes. So um, it's like a, a commentary on um, the effects of social media and, and the polarization of communities. It's from 2016. So it, it, it's very sort of plugged in and, and to an extent, maybe a little bit prescient. It's... Ask. Sorry, um... go on. Did you did you have like a scramble text? Was that normal? No. Was that your computer making more game? No, it's it's supposed to be normal text. It's uh, it's that that was a you thing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's really clever. I don't I don't want to say too much about it because, um, as as with some of the other games on this list, uh, the the magic is in in the discovery and the little. Um, surprises it it plays but you should absolutely check it out it's a great little five minutes and if you like it and if you want to explore the themes a little bit more uh, I can heartily recommend uh, an article I read a few weeks back called The Internet of Beefs uh, that talks about the same topic <laughs> Nice. yeah so the, the idea is to go very very off track that with the polarization with everything else um, social media platforms are now about exchanging drama and drawing battle lines and picking sides far more than they are about an honest debate or exchange of ideas mm. and it's this whole this whole shift in the way that that discourse works um in the world that we live in now um really well written really prescient um really on the pulse in my personal view and let's move on before yeah. we go Isn't the, um... state? Go ahead, oh, go ahead, Paul. I just wanted to say that even if I got a scramble text and I had no context for anything, I had no writing. Uh, just by what was happening, you you could tell like like what I was supposed to say on those boxes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's visually very expressive. You should probably try it again with the text working because some of the best comedy from it is in the little text that comes across the bottom. Why don't we, um, I, I was thinking, why don't we go now from maybe from the top and we'll meet down in the middle there too, so that we can let you take just a little breather for a second. <laughs> That's probably uh, a good idea. And let Paola go through a couple there. Um, and then we'll we'll jump back again because I'll also want to breather in a bit because there's I got a, quite a few in there. <laughs> awesome. Sounds All right. Uh, Paola, why don't you tell us a little bit about Forrest's Secret? It looks neat. Well, that, that was probably the only game that I played that neither of you played. Mm. And this game is so charming and so cozy because you're an adventurer who stumbles, about, um, stumbles upon this place and you are like encouraged to check everything and help the people like around you to unravel like this little mystery or more than mysteries like to reach a certain place um i'm trying to keep it like as big as possible um <laughs> i think this game has taken like a lot of inspiration from zelda games like the 2d ones in the sense of um interacting with the npcs and how the side quest or like how the little quest to help everyone are set up and also like if you see the main characters like that kind of gives you like 2d zelda vibes because of the green tunic and stuff 
Mm. It's like Zelda. And they're like, it's kind of like a plate doctor meets Link kind of thing. It is adorable. And I think this is like the longest game I played out of the H.I.O. games. Hmm. And there's like a little sequel that you can unlock if you do like all the, I think there were like six quests and did like, um, pretty much if you complete the game like 100%, you get access to the first secret um, Mystery of the Frost and you can revisit the place. I haven't done that yet because I literally just beat this game like today <laughs> but i want to go back because uh, there's no combat but the 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 habitants of this forest uh, are so charming and you begin like to care about everyone even though you only uh talk with them like for a little bit like it is written in such a way that you care about the characters and about the world. Also, there's a couple of, no, there's like one item that I found like awesome that you can uh, get this little um, snail from the shop and it will tell you if you are missing any items like oh, in the nice. screen. Cute. And it is funny because like uh, you can like tell it to tell you or not. Uh, stuff. Um, so, at least for me, it didn't become like tedious or annoying because um, I try to like clear the the screen each time the the little snail talk. But I can see it becoming like a little bit tiring if you're like just running ra around like from one screen to the other, and it literally says like if you want to. Start uh, listening to me. Just give me a little poke in your inventory, and I'll shut up. I'll be <laughs> as quiet as a mice that is also a mime. <laughs> I like that. Nice. This kind of gives me like just looking at it. It sort of gives me like short hike vibes a little bit, just from the sounds of it. You know, like this kind of like yeah, kind of quiet little sort of fun adventure. This is sort of what I think I'm going to itch for now. Is when I'm like, I just need something cozy <laughs> if you want something cozy this is free also if you i think there are like a lot of zelda references in this game oh i believe it that was certainly track yeah 100 percent. so did you yeah. play this next one too paula uh, that's that's me that's that you rick yeah <laughs> <laughs> so Basically, for um, a recent Devolver game called Disc Room, um, if you see anything about that, they did a, a jam for it. So there's a few different games um, I'd played on that. This is Disc Doom. Um, it's a basically broken, uh, like Doom type thing where you you have a disc gun and you fire one disc. The physics are fucked. Don't even bother <laughs> it. It's straight up broken. Um, but I logged it because I wanted to. Uh, be able to shit on something because most of the things have been universally great and we need some balance in this uh, in this discourse. Another great thing, another Cecile Richard game, uh, Under a Star Called Sun. Uh, didn't hit me the same way Nirvana did, um, but it was great. It's um, it's about someone who's stranded on a spaceship and, and missing a loved one. 
Um, there's there's more meaning to it than that, but I'll leave that uh, for the listeners and for you two to eventually get around to playing. Um, so I think I think we've settled on this as someone that uh, that gets the HLTV podcast seal of approval. Yeah, follow uh, this that, lady. <laughs> That's a good segue because that, yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. Exactly. Make your segue. No, no, I'm right. trying to segue <laughs> you anyway. You, you go ahead. It's, it's done now. <laughs> I know. I jumped in on you. Sorry. Yeah, I, I played another one by her called Endless Scroll. Um, which, you know, refers to like scrolling and social media. Um, I feel like we mentioned this once before. Maybe I'm going crazy, but like, I almost feel like Paula, have you ever heard of this game, Endless Scroll? No. Okay, I'm going nuts. I, I think swear- you're crazy about the I think I you haven't mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I swear to God, one day we mentioned something like this game. But anyway, um, so this thing is, it's really kind of lovely meditation on memory um and it's someone like usually i'm not a big fan of these things like they're they're kind of um reflecting on high school from years and years later and usually i'm not like a huge fan of that because i'm like i don't give a shit about high school but it it really delves into something a bit deeper than that um and i don't think it's as successful as novena but i think it's it's very nice and it's something that i was like liked that in the end you know like occasionally i was like i don't know and then i'm like oh i'm on you i'm on it you know like it was just kind of that fun experience that kind of goes up and down like that um so i recommend checking that one out um probably more impactful if you're a couple years out of high school (laughs) (laughs) um then i played okay so i went through a game boy extravaganza let's just say and let's just game boy on this next one yeah actually they're all game boy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> strap in boys it's game boys for 10 minutes now <laughs> uh, so i played i'm gonna start with a couple here i'm gonna jump a little bit on this but i played this one called magic and legend star seekers and this is a cute little game um and it's actually basically just a parent who wanted to show her sons what you could do in game boy studio um and and she just openly says that she's like i made this little platformer for my kids just to kind of show them what you could do in this thing and it's it's kind of fun basically the whole thing is just like you choose one of them one of the one of the boys to be and then you like go to like five uh levels where you just are jumping up on some like platforms to grab stars incredibly simple but what i think is interesting about it um and why i also recommend if you have any interest say in like game design at all i really recommend going and playing through a lot of these games because it teaches you some lessons and like i don't want this to sound like a backhanded thing but like on what not to do or not just what not to do but what you maybe don't realize is being done in other games right and um like first off to be clear this is a really fun impressive little thing for just like a a little experience but the character themselves when they jump their jumping sort of physics and movement is very kind of loosey-goosey right um and when you get hit by an enemy there's no real hit detection like it just kind of happens you sort of like blink out of existence and like the screen kind of goes like and you're just like back at the start and you're like oh what happened (laughs) you know it's like you teleported and it sort of reminded me, it's like, right, okay, there's a real, there's a real importance to an animation to show when you've been hit, right? There's a real importance to that kind of, you know what I mean? And like, there's an importance to really trying to dial in how the character feels when they're moving and jumping Um, a little too fast. And your character kind of feels a little too freewheeling, right? And you're like, not entirely sure where they're going to land. 
So yeah, I, I almost recommend trying it out just to sort of like see that thing if if you're curious about like platforms and controls like that. But overall, it was it was kind of sweet. I regret nothing. I was like, oh, this is sweet and fast. Um, <laughs> and had cute little music in it too, which I do appreciate because some of these Game Boy games do not have music. And I'm like, what the fuck? Um, so, which, <laughs> which ruins an experience immediately. Um, but moving on to that, there's this one called Korea in the Sunken City. Um, not Korea, but like, Korea. I'm going to say Korea. It's with a C O R I A. Anyway, it's a demo for a like a brand new Game Boy Color game. And it, I have to say first off, artwork-wise impressive. Um I also don't really want to like judge this one much because it's a demo of like a game that is clearly being worked on right now um and developed in the demo itself. There was quite a bit of repetition of enemies and it's mostly like jumping and hitting with your sword to hit enemies and there wasn't really any variation in it. But of course, that's just the very beginning. So I don't know. Um, I'm a little hesitant because I'm not entirely sure that the mechanics so far feel satisfying. Um, But I also would try it out when it comes out. Like I'm definitely keeping an eye on this one. I think it was supposed to release in 2020, but you know, pandemic kind of screwed them a little bit because they're just, you know, enthusiasts. Um, So maybe this year, Uh, we'll see. Speaking of that, I played another Game Boy game called Cosmic Courier. Uh, Neat art style in this one. Title screen looks dope. Yeah, it is dope. There's not a whole lot going on in it though, but it's neat. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're basically trying. You're trapped in limbo, which actually maybe that's makes sense then, because you're you're basically just trying to bring a package to um, to somebody. I don't remember if there was music. I don't remember hearing music in this one, but I could be wrong. Um, I played it on my Game Boy um, itself, and it also has like false endings. And here's the problem. Ooh. Because you have this package and you can just get rid of the package at one point. And I think I just clicked to be like, oh, I wonder what happens. And then it was just like, thanks for playing. And I went, well, I'm not going to replay this because you know what I mean? Like it was like, the, you know what I mean? Like I was like, if you're going to do that, at least let me start again from that point. You know what I mean? Um, and I was like, yeah. guess I completed it. Um, so I don't know. I like the art. I think it's interesting. I think it's ambitious for... Um, for the Game Boy, I would like to see them maybe do a little more on this one. It could be neat. Um, but yeah, that's all I have to say on that one. Um, Untitled Game Boy Game, which is literally what it's called. It's actually made by the developer of Game Boy Studio. And it was just done for a little Game Boy jam. There's no music in it, which is, you know, it was a game jam. He was like, I can't fucking make music, man. And like he comments on that in the game, which I think is actually pretty cute. I love that. Uh, yeah, it's basically the game is like a Game Boy developer is like not sure what they should do for a game. And so you kind of go through like the tropes of game of Game Boy games in this little thing. And I thought it was just kind of, it's kind of cute and it's a fun game to like sort of play. I'm not sure if I can like fully recommend it because like if you don't really like Game Boy games, you'll probably be like, what the hell is this? But if you do like them, it's fun. It's kind of, it's just kind of sweet. Um, and it's neat to see what the Game Boy can do. Um, also, knowing that it's the creator of Game Boy Studio, I think you can forgive the fact that the sprites in it are like the Game Boy Studio sample sprites, and because you know he made those, so I'm like, okay. I think it's free. I think it's it's fair for him to use them in his game. <laughs> um, and again, this was done in like you know 48 hours, right? So um, another Game Boy game. There's nothing to do in this town. Is really neat and sadly broken. So I 
just I oh. literally got to a point where the game broke. It told me what I needed to do next, and I did literally everything I possibly could. But I hit uh like it, it told me like you need to go collect this thing from the record store. And then I go to the record store and it was stuck in a previous loop and the character was saying something else but wouldn't recognize that I had done this thing. And so I was like, guess I'm done with the game. <laughs> yeah. I like the description though. It's uh, inspired by my crushing depression and written during mm-hmm. the 2020 lockdown but before the 2020 zombie apocalypse. Yeah. I, I still think try it out because I think it is neat um, and kind of weird but sort of fun. Uh, just know though that like there's a good chance you won't be able to progress further, um, which kind of sucks. Um, I'll probably try it regardless. That that looks like one I could get behind. Yeah, um, as does the next one in fairness, Murder Mansion. Oh, which I'm so I've sad to report on this one. <laughs> I'm so sad. I th- uh, this has uh, so okay. I, this, I broke this game in like five minutes. Oh, his face. Yeah, I have a lot of despair oh. because I was really excited for this too. I thought it looked so neat. It has no music, by the way, um, which you never realize how much music makes a difference in these things. Even if you're watching TV and you can't really hear it, you, you just need it, you know? Um, but anyway, I'm not going to fault them too much if they can't make music. It's fine. A lot of game developers and i see this with playwrights too and i see this with all early creatives when they go to make a game they kind of try to be sometimes irreverent um and they're afraid of sincerity you know like so like actually creating like i think this person wants to make a murder mystery game um but their character is a little like oh (laughs) like i'm no good at this you know what i mean like it's just kind of like a little jokey and like kind of quirky and odd and i'm like quirky is not a character right quirky is a trait not a character so what i miss in this is like i would like to see characters you know with personality and some of them some of the characters in it do definitely have that but sometimes they're just more caricature than character and that's really important in a game boy game you really need character in a game boy game because um, it's so limited that if you don't have strong characterization, I just don't care, right? Um, and all of this is moot because I went down into the, I see, I broke the sequence. Clearly there was a very elaborate sequence you had to go through. I went down and I was exploring the murder mansion because, you, you know, that's the whole point. I have to like solve the murder. Um, and I went into the basement and there was, you know, a fucking push the boxes game there and I did it. And then I was like, oh, there's nothing here. And then I walked back up. And it turns out I had to go talk to the chef first. And when I talked to the chef, when I went back down, the puzzle was solved, but the collision detection blocks were still in place. So when I moved and I got to talk to him, when I went to turn around and complete, the fucking invisible boxes Box wouldn't let me move. There. And I was like, oh. I can't, I can't do anything. I'm literally <laughs> stuck. Like I was like, oh. Oh no! <laughs> so I just was like, I'm not bothering redoing it because who knows what's going to happen, right? I can't guess the sequence because mm. I'm just a player, right? So a good lesson in making sure that your game doesn't bust on sequence progression, right? You make make sure that there's some uh, some continuation there. But anyway, a couple lessons there. Characterization is important, which yeah. 
fortunately, the next game does extremely well. So um, there's this other one called The Year After. And I will have to say, I do have a slight bone to pick with this game because oh, no. it has beautiful music, beautiful music, but the music doesn't work on the Game Boy. So it only works in the browser. Um, uh. Right? So I'm kind of like, why don't you make a Game Boy game, bruh, if you can't play the music in the Game Boy? <laughs> like, I'm like, you there's know. quite a few of those, you know, there's quite a few games mm-hmm. on it where they say Made in GB Studio runs on Windows or browser. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thanks, Chief. You, I know. Couldn't, you couldn't have compiled a ROM for me. I know, and like the Game Boy, the you can you can put music in Game Boy Studio. It does work. <laughs> I've played many games that do it very well. There's one later that does it incredibly yeah. well, right? So I'm just like, 100%. learn how to do it, man. Like you know what I mean? Like I, like I'm always like, play within the limitations. You know, that's the point. If you're using Game Boy Studio, work with the limitations. Don't get greedy. Um, but this game got greedy, and it was also really great. So ah, maybe I'm wrong. But basically, it's like a... Yeah, sorry. Enjoy that sound, everybody. Uh, this is a visual novel-ish. And I don't want to talk too much about it. But you basically... It's just a walking simulator. You're just walking through this world. Uh, but you're seeing the story of this couple. And it's it's actually quite beautiful. Um, and you think you know where it's going. And then it'll go somewhere else. The ending's a little ambiguous, but I kind of dig it. Um, and I really recommend playing this. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite touching. It's quite touching, actually. Um, okay, let's let's move along, then. We're almost back to you, Rick. We're getting there. Almost, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quest Arrest. Okay, so this is just me, and I'm just going to, I got to preface this a little bit. Fuck the police is basically what I'll sort of say, first off. And no politics. Woo. No, I, I have to bring it in on this because I actually think it's very important with this game. So this game, yeah, because the first thing you have to do in this game is arrest a homeless person. And they're not doing anything. They're just there. And there's the mechanics of this game. It's like Pokemon battles where you can arrest them. You have to like get them down to a thing, arrest them, or you kill them. And if you kill them, the town like gets oh. mad at you and like angry and stuff. But I'm like, it doesn't feel like, I don't think this game is equipped to have a social commentary on policing. Let me just put it that way. And okay, yeah, right. Like as I, I, I started and I was like, oh. I'm done. I'm not doing this. Like, I can't do this. Like I, I don't want to make a game of this. It feels gross. It, it feels to me like, for instance, some people really don't mind playing like World War II shooters and stuff, right? Like I, there was a time where I dug that so much. I loved playing it. And then one day I was sitting there playing it and I went, I feel really uncomfortable because I'm just realizing like this is a real world experience, right? And now I've gamified it. And look, if you enjoy- both, both are valid, yeah. 100%. Exactly, right? And for this one in particular, and also I'll just be real here. The pixel art's not great. Um, the backgrounds kind of blend in a little bit together. It was made by one dude, and I'm just like, bad subject choice, man. Bad subject choice. <laughs> um, interesting dynamics and stuff, but I don't want to freaking play as a cop. And like homeless people and stuff, I don't know. It just, it reinforces the idea that they're criminals and stuff. And I'm like, uh, they're not, man. He's just, the dude was just chilling out. It wasn't even breaking a law. What the hell? There's no like commentary on it. So anyway, that's my little rant on Quest Arrest. Play if you want, but... There's way better things to do out there, you know? 
and in a complete tonal shift. <laughs> I can't imagine anything different. And also, be- before we get onto this, I have to say it's a, a hallmark of a really thoughtful development. <laughs> you still like that? <laughs> Sorry, I'm liking the transition, but yeah, you got yeah. It's um, it's a sign of a thoughtful developer that when you play it on the Game Boy Advance, it's got like a custom border to fill up the whole GBA screen. Uh, because I played this one as well. This is uh, Tobu Tobu Girl Deluxe. I love this game so much. <laughs> it's, I haven't played much of it, but it is really, really um, professional. I'd say it, it feels like a proper thing. And obviously, you could buy it as a proper cartridge with a box mm-hmm. and all, all the bells and whistles. Really stands up in its own right just as a game boy game not as a as an itch thing or as a home brewer as anything else um it's like doodle jump it's like a vertical climber um but it has a dash and a hover mechanic Mm -hmm. um and it also has proper levels yeah so you you have a timer counting down you have a a progression bar up on the right hand side um i look forward to coming back to it and giving it proper attention at some point Uh, i played it a little bit so that we could talk about it today really liked it thought that's pretty cool i'm going to come back to that and um on that point just to to keep a little bit of balance should we uh go back to where we were before and then and then come back up yeah partially as well (laughs) because i think paula played this one as well as me and i apologize for recommending it to you um and it is city of muse did you play this one actually no i wasn't able to don't it's fine don't do not okay (laughs) (laughs) it is like everything wrong with walking simulators Mm. and it's it's a shame because actually initially the visuals are quite nice it's like um it reminded me of a a game that i played a few months back and it's a free one i'd recommend it to people called liquidators um on steam if you remember me talking about that one it's fine if you don't we've talked about lots of games since that but it's um it's like a a bald um polygonal assets with a pixel art sort of dithery filter over the top and as a visual effect it's really lovely and it's really well done but there's just fuck all done with it so basically the the concept is you're in this city and there's like these random human shaped things they're green i think they're supposed to be shrubbery um talking about this muse but they don't really say much of anything like it's um i think it's supposed to convey deeper meaning but there just is no deeper meaning um it, it it's just trying to to hide how vapid it is um and what that descends into is you for three minutes walking through this village and then you have to like voluntarily jump into a well so you've learned nothing you jump into this well you're in this random demon place and then this thing in the shape of a statue that was in the village comes flying at you and then the game closes itself. And that's it. Yeah, fuck it, honestly. I've, I've given it much more time and attention than it deserves at this point. Let's leave it and move on um, to two more um, Disc Jam games. The first one is um, Bouncing Blade Blitz. So you whack the disc back and forth against the wall. You want to like keep a combo going. It's multiplayer. There's not really much else to say about it. I think it's probably a lot of fun if you have a second person. I played it once and got very bored with it. It's like there's not really a lot there. Um, and then the next one is one called Disc O Room. So it's like a, a red and black virtual voice style filter. Um, you're on a circle 
and it's like survive as long as possible. So you can move left and right. And if you stop by pressing both directions, you can shoot upwards. So you have to try and destroy some of the discs when you've got a spare moment. So it doesn't just become overwhelming. Uh, really well put together, actually. It's a shame that there's only the one mode. There's not really much reason to come back. Um, but it, it's really nice. M- gave me sort of downwell vibes, both visually and and in terms of the the loop being what it is. I, I quite liked it. Um, it's one of the better ones I've played through this itch experience. Um, the next one, and I'm curious if either of you played this because there's there's a lot to say on this one. No players online. Sadly, no. Looks no. Mean. Okay. It does. The only problem is, like, there's no it's sort of a <laughs> poor. Hey! <laughs> Even by my standards, that's poor. You have standards? Apparently so. <laughs> apparently so. Wow. <laughs> if you want to be a host on next week's episode. <laughs> so the, the problem with this game is it relies on some ARG elements. Hmm. Um, and one of those involves you emailing an email address that clearly at one time had a bot associated with it. No longer does. The only reason I could make anything from it is that someone's done like a video um, of their experience going through it and details everything that you have to do. So I was able to, to obtain the clue that should have been emailed back to me from that and progress the game. It's a shame because what's there is quite clever, very unique maybe could have respected your time a little bit more. There's, there's a couple of sort of repeated sections, um, but really clever in what it does and how it, um, as a one man experience makes you jump through all these hoops and has all these steps put together and, and played out. Um, I would say, because the video is in the comments on the game, I would say you're probably better off watching that video than you are actually playing the game. Mm. Um, because while it's clever, it doesn't really work in its own right anymore which is a shame, but thematically it's nice. It does the whole sort of PS1 horror vibe kind of thing, which was pretty cool. Um, I was a fan of that. Yeah, it, it, it's just a shame I can't recommend it. Um, and on that note, one I definitely can't re- recommend uh, is a game called Approaches. And I say game. Um, it gives you a pretend puzzle to try and solve for a few minutes until it does its one little set piece. Fuck this game. It, it's not good. It's not good. Don't bother. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to give it any more time than that. It's not any fun at all. Next, and I'll skip ahead because it, it's sort of on the topic of Game Boy. Or actually, no, I won't because once we get to that, there's there's three more of your Game Boy games, Alex, and that's it. So yeah. um, <laughs> we're almost there. We're nearly there. Um, next one uh, was a visual novel called Koshka's Coffee. And it's about a girl whose um, who's estranged father dies and leaves her the coffee shop. So it's a little bit like Valhalla in that you've got this visual novel and then you're also making people drinks when they come into the store. Obviously, it's much smaller in scope. Um, it also maybe sets expectations too high. The description on the page gives the impression that there's going to be sort of choices to make when actually it's a linear story and that choice is predetermined. So that was kind of disappointing when I when I got to it and that thing had happened. I was like, oh, I thought I thought I'd have a say in that, mm. um, which was a shame. But it's nice how it's written. I like, without giving anything away, what is quite a bold choice in in the way that it resolves that story. And I think it's one that's worth looking at. It's definitely unique in the way that it it goes. And also um, award winning. It was it was selected for a, an international film festival, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, 
so definitely definitely go and check that out and if you like that you'll probably also like uh, a game called bird of passage um which is a short i'm trying to think what it reminds me of um it reminds me of something but the thing escaped me basically it's um a thematic kind of thing so you are a lost soul um in the back of a cab trying to find your way to sort of find your way out of purgatory i suppose um trying to find some closure and you you have these conversations with the different taxi drivers um you explore choices it's very um much a mood piece albeit with sort of a, a very specific narrative to tell within it i really liked it for an itch game the art is beautiful the music um is amazing i wrote down the uh, the composer's name and i'll find it um in a minute because it it turned me on to their music and their music is actually very very good they're a very good composer i really liked their music in it uh, emilio pozzolini is the composer um their names in the credits if you want to find out that spelt um but the, the 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 audio work and the visual work really are lovely and they make it because it it, it it's most of what the game has going for it. I had a lovely time with it. it. It's sort of the running theme of a lot of these experiences on itch. It's like a really excellent window in which to tell a short narrative, um, a, a, almost a different spin on the stuff that the 10 milligram games collections did, where that was more mechanically focused. A lot of what is on itch is uh, a vehicle to tell its own um, little story or evoke a specific mood or feeling. I think that's really nice, and it, it's something that this game particularly did very, very well, um, as did Nirvana. Um, and then the last one of my games, and it will be a nice segue back into the last few of yours, Alex, um, is a Game Boy game called The Lake. It does have music, and uh, really good music. It's, uh, it's really nice audio. Um, this is a game where you are a skeleton trapped in a dungeon, and you have to make your way out. So it's like a short adventure game. Um, there's a number of fail states, but there's, there's sort of one specific path through both mechanically, very interesting in terms of the, the puzzles that it gives you to solve, but also tells a really nice story, which surprised me. It felt like the story would be sort of a vehicle for the adventure, but it, it, it asks some quite deep moral questions of you, which, which caught me by surprise. Um, don't want to say much more than that. I think this is really one that people should go and, um, have a crack at. I, I had an excellent time with it, um, and it, it's a fun one to play on original hardware. And, and I'm actually looking forward, just before I let you get back to the last few of yours, Alex, to playing quite a few more of these on original hardware, because there is definitely something to be said for having it on the console, having the little buttons, um, oh, particularly, awesome. with the, particularly with the flash cart. I don't know if you can do it on the, on the GBC one, but on, the, on the, the easy flash for the Game Boy Advance, uh, the Game Boy emulator that they use you can pause anywhere by opening the emulator menu and you can sleep it from that emulator menu as well. So it's, it's a really excellent way to experience those games, i found. Yeah, I mean, um, if you have an EverDrive on the Game Boy Color, you can just save state. Um, mm. anyway, that's what I've been doing with them and it works, works great. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. So this one actually isn't a Game Boy one, but uh, might as well be. Um, it's from a D-Make game jam. Uh, it's called BioEvil 4. It is Resident uh. Evil 4. Ghost and Goblins. That's exactly what this game is. It is brutal and amazing. Like, it is extremely satisfying um, and really worth a try. Like, look, you're probably not going to get 
really freaking far in this thing. I think there's only like maybe a level where I think, I think maybe the chainsaw dude is the end. I didn't beat it. Um, but I had a, I had a blast at first. It's like, it is one of those games where you're like, God damn it. God, God, God damn it. And you're like, <laughs> you know, but like in a satisfying way where you're like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Um, really great. Really, uh, tastefully done. Just a really excellent example of a demake because, you know, it's nothing like Resident Evil 4, and yet it is, you know? Like, it feels like it could have been a fun companion piece to it on, like, the Game Boy Color or, or the Game Boy Advance, probably more likely. You know, and you're like, it feels like it would have fit there nicely. I'm going to end on the highest of highs. So, also, Dedeus, uh, Dedeus, uh, whatever it is, is on our list here as well. Um, but I've talked about the game at length already, and I think everyone should give it a shot. So, like, give it a play. But another Game Boy game, and I played the Game Boy Color version of this, which you have to pay $3 for, and I think it's worth the $3, probably worth more than that. Um, but you can also just get the, like, Game Boy version totally for free. Um, and that's Pine Creek. And Pine Creek is a murder mystery game. Although I just noticed they spelled mystery with an I. Anyway, it's fine. I believe the developer second language, I believe English is the developer second language, but um, they actually just 17 days ago, I guess. I didn't even realize this. They put a patch that like fixed uh, any sort of spelling mistakes. I haven't really noticed many. I, I've occasionally noticed a slightly awkward phrasing of something, but um, it's never been like, oh, look at that. Like overall, the writing's like quite good um, and quite natural. And Basically, you're this kind of young boy in this sort of like rural-esque town. Um, you know, your parents run this cafe next to your house. And one day you're just going to see your friend and the cops are like all outside her house. And you sneak in to find that like there has been a ritual something. There's a freaking bloody finger there and like this sort of like weird diagram on the floor. And you have to sort of solve the mystery from there. And it's like really clever. It's it's quite beautiful in parts. Um and the conversations are sort of fun and actually interesting. Um, and there's really excellent characterization that goes on throughout it. Like everyone feels like a person in the game. Um, and I'm just really impressed, honestly. Like it's made by two people, basically one dude <laughs> pretty much. Um, and it's it's in English, Spanish, and they've got a translation into Portuguese um nice. which also this is something and i want to ask you about this paula too something i've been noticing is that there is a ton of game boy development that seems to be happening in like central and south america like i've noticed tons of spanish language games um uh, on the game boy side of things and like names where i'm just like what's going on down there like there's some really incredible stuff going on like have you seen people like is this a thing that you have like what is the indie scene like in Chile? I'm wondering. Um, I don't know if these developers were in Chile at all. I think they're in other parts of uh, South America. But I'm just I'm just curious if you've ever noticed anything or if this is new to you as well. I, I mean, like, people over here, I feel like people in South America in particular are, like, really creating individuals that don't get much of a chance to actually, like, develop for a bigger companies unless they pretty much hit the jackpot. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, like ETO games or like trying to make like these smaller like uh, gameplay games, like are in my opinion uh, a bit of an outlet for mm. those people. Actually, like in the global game jams that I've been, there's a lot of people. Yeah, like there's a ton of people that. that come from all over Chile just to 
partake in those because there's like uh, for the global game gen you have to go to a specific place and make a group there and I don't know like how many of these places are like in Tilly when they happen but it seems there, there aren't many because at least I had to go to the capital when when I'm like at my parents' house like on summer, I have to come here to the capital to actually like partake in these events. And there are like demos uh, of of games that people present on this and some of them look like quite finished. And I feel like there's a lot of talent here and there are like a lot of indie developers here. Mm. And I actually know some of those, but can't really say names here. But mm. They, but yeah, the, the, there's a big indie scene like here. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, mark my word, there's going to be some cool shit coming from, uh, out of there. Cause like, like I said, I mean, I'd even recommend like playing Pine Creek in Spanish or I'm sure that I'm sure the writing in that is probably even better than the English version. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Looking through it, I was like, I felt like I'm just like, oh, there's some talented people um you know like i can just like just looking on itch so yeah yeah and if you if you want to try that or any of the games that we've uh that we've mentioned here as as we said at the beginning the itch link is going to be in the description um mm-hmm. and as well as just all the play the games we play generally uh you can find specific lists for recommendations um <laughs> things that you can i expect great things from <laughs> and uh games that paula approves of <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> only the best puns for this podcast I think that's pretty good, did though, you right? get mad when we said you have no standards <laughs> I, I wrote these before then so it had, it had no bearing on that uh, um, but I, that has been noted and taken under consideration. <laughs> consideration yeah well there's tons of games i mean Geez, I think our playlist, it's like at least 30 something games, uh, maybe more. So if you're itching for some, <laughs> if you're itching for some new games, go I check it out. <laughs> uh, shall we close off with everyone's favorite segment? How yes. long to be How long the to game? Be? How long the to game? be the game? I didn't know we were going to all do it together. Sorry. <laughs> Rick, what are we I've playing already, this week? We've already done that. Believe it or not, it went to Dragon Ball Universe, which we've actually done. Oh, no. um, so let's shuffle again. Nope. Shuffle again. <laughs> oh, I've definitely got oh. slight Actually, mm, do we want anthologies? I feel like that's just asking for trouble. Shall I re-roll that? What, what is the anthology? Metal Slug anthology. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, let's re-roll. Because I don't even know re-roll. what games are in that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I can tell you. That's that's sort of the point. Yeah. I'm literally playing it right now. Uh, let's shuffle again. Ooh, okay. Ratchet and Clank, all for one. Oh, okay. I'm down. I'm down for that. Ratchet and Clank, mm. all for one. Okay. Yeah, this is another good one for you. <laughs> Albeit, it's not one I've played. It's not one I plan uh... to play. It reviewed very poorly. It's got like a co-op focus, and it. it's built sort of specifically around that in a in a way that's not great. If you believe what the reviewers said, mm. which is a shame. I think I have an idea of um of what I'm saying there. Yeah, let me see. This is a PS3 game from 2011. Is Man, isn't that nuts? You're like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that's How 10 years that ago. ago. I know. <laughs> Dear God. Uh, 
Yeah. Oh, I remember. I think four seeing stuff on this. Yeah. A four-player cooperative multiplayer mode. Yeah. Interesting. And it was designed around the co-op, and it was it was criticized for being very bland and just not really feeling like a proper Ratchet and Clank game. <laughs> so Marvel's Avengers. yes basically (laughs) honestly though right (laughs) but yeah so i am gonna go eight 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 for everything yeah because i think it was like a six hour game roughly um but i'm gonna take that five hour leeway and i think that everything should fall roughly i within that yeah i'm gonna go 10 10 10 for me at least um because I don't think it's any shorter than um, than that. Maybe I'll go 11 for 100%. Let's just be crazy. <laughs> I can't handle this right now. <laughs> what are you saying, Paula? Mm, I'm trying to think of another like multiplayer experiences, but I feel like Return of Clank is going to be like shorter than the Zelda Fort Source and Fort Source Adventures. So, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go for eight for main. I don't know how collectibles are in the Return of Clank game, so I'm going to go. Nine for me plus, and I think we're like all in the same range, basically. <laughs> nine for one hundred, nine and a half for one. Nine and a half. And a half for one hundred. I like that. What this is either just gonna be. This is going to be all for everyone, or like someone's going to get fucked on a technicality. <laughs> yep. You mean on the game? Yeah. Okay. So what what do we got here? Right? Let's see. Are we are we all locked in? Are we all ready to go? I think so. No. Go anyway. Okay. <laughs> so. Oh, I think we've all fucked it. Oh no. Main story ten and a half. Oh shit. Main, main plus thirteen. Completionist is seventeen hours. I was so close. I was one hour oh, off. God damn it. <laughs> I knew I should have gone up higher on that. Shit. Oh, so that, uh, that's no points for everybody. And um, for one more week, at least my, uh, my small lead persists. Yeah. Oh, that could have been a game changer for me. Could have been a game changer, but it wasn't. Oh, well, wow. thanks for tuning in for our itch extravaganza. Uh, Come back next week for a return to normal programming. <laughs> yeah. As normal as we get. <laughs> wow. Speak for yourself. We gotta do that like every other week now. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it sort of has been, hasn't it? Oh dear. Well, until next time, take it easy, everybody.